Welcome to the latest edition of Spotlight, a PEI media podcast that delves into the very latest in private markets investing. I'm Adam Lay, Senior Editor at Private Equity International, and with me today is Nick Brooks, who is Head of Economic and Investment Research at ICG. And Nick is here to talk with us today all about inflation. Uh, Nick, thank you for coming on to the program. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for having me. So Nick, Blackstone, the biggest private equity firm in the industry, recently referred to inflation as the major risk that's out there. And we've spoken to some of the biggest private equity firms over the last couple of weeks about their concerns on inflation and how they're planning to tackle it. Listeners can find these stories on privateequityinternational.com. There seems to be three key themes here, and I wanted to get your take on them. One is that private equity is very well positioned to tackle rising inflation because it invests in high-quality companies with strong management teams. A second is that portfolio companies can easily pass on costs. And a third is that fundraising will really not be affected. Do these three ring true to you? Yeah, no, I would largely agree. I think private equity and private debt types of companies that we invest in um, and lend to, I think are broadly pretty well protected from rising inflation, certainly the type of inflation we're seeing right now. And there are a few reasons for that. Some of them you mentioned. Uh, I think you know a, a critical part of it is that most private debt, private equity exposure is to companies that are less affected by the kind of inflation we're seeing today. So for example, at ICG, we have something called the private company database where we track fundamentals of around 500 or so private companies in the US and Europe. And we look at what's going on in terms of margins, in terms of revenue, in terms of profit and, and leverage as well. And looking at a makeup of this database, which I think is a, a pretty good indication of broadly how our industry lends and invests, you'll see that a large part of the exposure is to technology, to healthcare, to sort of higher value added sectors. It tends to be also sectors where there are what one might call structural tailwinds. And broadly, these sectors tend to be able to pass on costs as they come through the supply chain. Not always the case, and I think it can be very nuanced and you have to be very careful at a company level because every company, of course, is different. But broadly, I think that that is the case, that most of the inflation pressure that's coming up through durable goods, through the supply chain, can broadly be passed on. One of the other kind of points that people mentioned to us was, I guess, the the kind of private equity ownership model being more active, being, you know, control in many situations, being long term, and therefore being better placed to whether inflationary rises. Is, is that, um, does that something that rings true with you? Yeah, no, I think that is true. I think that um, the model tends to be medium to long term and really, you know, partnership with the companies that we invest in and led to. So if one is looking at what I would argue is a temporary shock, we hope, right now, where you know, we're seeing a bit of an inflation shock coming through, or maybe that's overdoing it. We're seeing some price rises coming through right now that are higher than normal in some sectors. And also, you know, over the past 12 months, I've seen quite a substantial you know, decline in demand, though that's coming back now. I think this model works quite well in that one can look through this and work with firms to focus on the medium to, to long-term issues. So I think from, from that point of view, I think the model is, is quite well suited to dealing with these kinds of shorter term problems. Very interesting. 
And I, I guess to follow that line of questioning, I mean, for private equity firms themselves, you know, if you're a private equity GP looking at the threat of inflation and I guess potential interest rate hikes as well, what are the kind of biggest things that would be keeping you up at night? What, what are the things that, that the GP should be concerned about and, and looking out for in this kind of environment? That's a very good question. That is the other side of the equation. So you've got on one hand, how is this actually impacting the bottom line of companies? Are their input prices going up? And if they are, can they pass? them on or find other ways to cut costs. So that's one side of the equation, which we were kind of discussing the first part of this. Now, what you're moving on to is the other key risk, which is does higher inflation today lead to tighter policy by major central banks? And therefore, do we have higher interest rates? And I think actually that is the risk that certainly in the public markets, that's been the biggest concern and focus. Yeah, I mean, that's a risk. My view, for what it's worth, is that most central banks will look through this increase in inflation as temporary. That's certainly what they're indicating. The Fed and the ECB, the BOE, Bank of Japan. But who knows? You know, maybe this inflation ends up being stickier than we think. Maybe inflation expectations start to get out of hand and they're forced to move. It's a possibility. I put a low risk on it, but it's a possibility. Now, if that were to happen and we were to see yield curves shift up and certainly at least see the short end move up in a significant manner from where we are today, that would obviously uh, affect a lot of companies that have a lot of leverage, mm -hmm. stating you know, an obvious fact. So I think, again, to the degree that GPs are concerned about that risk and they think that it's a substantial risk, then clearly they need to be looking at the leverage levels of the companies they're invested in and be working with them to try to reduce these risks. So, you know, again, my own view is that the likelihood of a very large increase in short-term interest rates is, is pretty low. There is a lot of leverage out there in the market, and there are going to be certain companies that are going to be more affected than others if that were to happen. So wages, is that something that obviously is kind of sector agnostic? Is that something that the private equity firms should be specifically paying attention to within their portfolios? Yes, absolutely. I mean, and, and of course, not just private equity, all investors. I think where the wage issue uh, seems to be strongest, or the problem seems to be strongest, is around sort of minimum wage type jobs. So I think labor supply um, is pretty ample as you move up the wage spectrum. But w particularly focusing on the US, I mean, this is happening in the UK and Europe as well. But let's just talk about the US because it's a little more clear cut there, where the unemployment programs have been pretty large. And there have been a number of studies by the Fed and by a number of, you know, private companies looking at, you know, what's going on in terms of, you know, supply demand of labor. And, and the issue seems to be that there are a lot fewer people willing to come back to work around the minimum wage level. And that is partially, I think, because of concerns about COVID and safety, because a lot of those are in the services sector, you know, restaurants and hotels and leisure broadly. And then also, of course, because the unemployment benefits are pretty good, there's less incentive to come back. So it really tends to be those sectors where there's an issue. There are issues on labor supply in a number of key sectors, but those sectors also had problems before the pandemic. So what's new is the lower wage jobs are harder to fill. In the US, the unemployment programs are meant to be rolling off in early September. So broadly, the assumption that I think the Fed and others are uh, making 
is that by September, October, we should start to see that supply come back into the market, which should cool things off a bit on the wage front. But until then, uh, those pressures will be there. And I think as an investor, you know, you have to be looking at companies that you're invested in that are reliant on uh, minimum wage type labor, where that's a large part of the cost, um, and making sure that those companies can get through this period. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious, Nick, I mean, how does this all play out? I mean, in terms of, you know, rising wages, uh, ri- rising labor costs, uh, rising costs of goods and services, you know, some private equity firms are able to pass this on, uh, in particular uh, sectors and industries, maybe uh, others um, find it a bit more challenging, and then potentially sort of higher interest rates. You know, ultimately, are we all looking at lower returns from these kind of vintage funds around 2021, and therefore impacting returns for investors, for LPs? You know, I don't think so. I think, it, again, it's really going to depend on the sector mix of the portfolios. So for I'll give an example. One of the other consequences of the quite generous furlough and unemployment programs is that savings rates are at the highest levels they've been in the history of tracking savings rates in the UK, US, um, and most of Europe. So I think that over the next couple of quarters, we're probably going to see quite a powerful rebound in consumer spending. So I think there are going to be some companies that benefit tremendously over the coming quarters from the rebound out of the pandemic. Of course, there are going to be some companies, and again, I think hotels and uh, travel stand out on this front, where they may continue to suffer because there still will likely be controls on tourism and travel. And at the same time, these companies have been dealing with higher wage costs. So, you know, they may be in a more difficult situation. So um, at that point, I think investors have to decide, do we work with these companies and get them through this. We, we think they've got you know a good model and in one or two years they'll be back on their feet. And do we work with them on that or not? So I think it really does depend very much on a sector level. Again, for companies, for portfolios that have a lot of technology, software, healthcare, biotech, who have a high weighting in, in their portfolios in these sectors, we're probably going to see very strong returns. So it, it really is going to vary a lot. Very interesting. So potentially you know, a boon for those companies in sectors where we're all kind of itching to get out and, and spend our cash as we've been hoarding over the past 18 months or so. And hopefully some of those sectors are private equity backed. Very lastly, um, Nick, you know, looking at kind of how all this impacts fundraising within the private equity sphere, how do you see that playing out? I mean, are investors likely to kind of turn more to, to private equity funds because, you know, it's seen as a, as a less volatile asset class and, you know, 10 year fund structure kind of seen more stable over, over the long term? Or, you know, would, for example, higher interest rates lead to investors parking more of their cash into fixed income, US treasuries, gilts, etc., because it's kind of uh, safer and higher returns? than we've seen over the past uh, decade or so? What we've been seeing is actually pretty strong fundraising demand. Again, it's going to depend company by company, but I think broadly private equity, private debt have proven themselves through this crisis that you know broadly have done quite well. And I think there is a recognition that taking a longer-term investment view and the partnership with portfolio companies is a model that works. So I think that certainly in in times of uncertainty 
as we are now and will likely be for some time. I think that you know, the demand for these types of investments are, is going to remain strong. On the interest rate front, I mean, again, my view would be that it's very unlikely that treasuries and other sort of safe haven yields move to levels that are sufficient for pension funds and insurance companies and other investors with long-term time horizons to you know, substantially allocate, reallocate into those types of assets. So my sense is that the demand for these types of investments will remain quite strong and continue to grow over the next few years. Yes. Well, that, that's certainly uh, the sentiment that we're getting from the people we speak to in the market. And so it sounds like, yes, the, the market echoes what you've just said. That's uh, all we've got time for. Nick Brooks, Head of Economic and Investment Research at ICG. Thank you so much for your time and coming on to the program. 